All right, Galatians chapter 1, verse 11. But I certify you, brethren, that the gospel which was preached of me is not after man. For I neither received it of man, neither was I taught it, but by the revelation of Jesus Christ. For ye have heard of my conversation in time past in the Jews' religion, how that beyond measure I persecuted the church of God and wasted it, and profited in the Jews' religion above many my equals in mine own nation, being more exceedingly zealous of the traditions of my fathers. But when it pleased God, who separated me from my mother's womb and called me by His grace to reveal His Son in me, that I might preach Him among the heathen, immediately I conferred not with flesh and blood. Neither went I up to Jerusalem to them which were apostles before me, but I went into Arabia and returned again unto Damascus. Then after three years I went up to Jerusalem to see Peter and abode with him fifteen days. But other of the apostles saw I none, save James the Lord's brother. Now the things which I write unto you, behold, before God I lie not. Afterwards I came into the regions of Syria and Cilicia and was unknown by face unto the churches of Judea which were in Christ. But they had heard only that he which persecuted us in times past now preacheth the faith which once he destroyed, and they glorified God in me. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for this passage of Scripture. Lord, thank you for these good testimonies tonight and what you're doing in people's lives. Lord, you're just so good to us. And now tonight, Lord, please help us to learn some things from your word and apply them to our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. We learned this morning that after the Apostle Paul was confronted by the Lord Jesus Christ on the road to Damascus and he received Jesus Christ as a Savior, that everything changed. He was a different man after that. So this morning and this evening, we've been looking at what happened. What was Paul like after Damascus? This morning, we saw that after Damascus, he had a new philosophy. His past life had been about what he was doing. His new life was about what God had done in him. And then we saw that he had a new purpose. He was separated from his mother's womb to preach the gospel to the heathen. You know, this, is, this is what God created him to do. And uh, this is where we're going to take off tonight. The first thing that I want you to think about is, um, and I had someone come to me after the service, and they said that this morning's message had helped them. And it's amazing how God helps people from the Word of God with things that you don't say. How many of you, God has ever spoken to you in a sermon, and I didn't say the thing that He spoke to you about? All right? That's what the Word of God does in people's lives. And this man, he, he, he's had some issues at his workplace, but he knows that that's what God created him to do. That role that he's performing is what God created him to do. And that encouraged him to, even in the face of conflict, to be able to continue. And, you know, I said this morning that God created me to be a preacher of the gospel. Um, I, was, I was doing this before I knew that God had called me to do this. Is what he made me to do. Many of you, you're doing what God made you to do. You know, uh, Dave was giving his testimony. Some people are made to run into buildings when they're on fire. You know, I'm made to run as fast as I can the other direction. I had our, our pastor in Indiana when we were in college. Um, he got attacked in the alley. The, the church was in an inner city. And somebody jumped him in the alley as he was walking into his office one night. And so he said this. Somebody asked me, Brother Hiles, what did you do? He said, well, when I was in the paratroopers, they taught me to fight with my feet. He said, so I did. I ran as fast as I could. <laughs> but, you know, God has created us. You know, we have all of the different roles that you all perform in this world. God has gifted you to do those things. Amen? 
you know, I think of our doctors. We have Dr. Rebeck here, one of our doctors tonight. Um, there are some of us that doesn't matter how bad we wanted to be a doctor. It's not going to happen. You know what I mean? How many of you get what I'm talking about here? But how about this? How many of you, no matter how bad you wanted to be a teacher of children, you just know it's not going to happen? Any of you? <laughs> You're there. You know, it just, yeah, Carol, that's the sad thing. Some of our teachers feel that way. But, you know, the simple fact is some of the, the people that influenced me the most, you can tell that God had created them to do what they're doing. I think of Mark Rasmussen. You all have met Mark Rasmussen. He was created to do what he's doing. And so when, I, when I'm talking about that we're created to give the gospel, that's a part of the new birth. Every saved person is gifted to give the gospel to someone else. Why? Because he gave you a testimony. He gave you a personal experience with a supernatural God. Now, what, what better thing is there to talk about than that? We're all gifted to do that. And then all of the other gifts that God has given us, we uh, use those in the body. So now let me, we're going to do, it's been years and years ago that we did our study on spiritual gifts, and we're going to do that again here soon. Um, but one of the things that I disagree with the teachers on spiritual gifts, one area where I disagree with them is this. Uh, some people believe that these gifts come at salvation. And especially with the, this, all of the scriptures that we looked at this morning about th all these things happen from our mother's womb. I, I believe that God gifts everybody to serve him. Saved or not, they're gifted to serve him. And God's plan, God is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. It's God's will that every person in the world be saved and serve him. And he created each person with unique abilities so that that can happen. And so here's the deal. Each and every person in this room has special gifts. And, and it's so wonderful when you see people use those gifts, the things that they're able to do. Um, uh, Andrea Smith is going to be teaching at Christian Academy, and she's doing a class on worldview. And the work that she's putting into that, well, nobody could require her to do the, the amount of work that she's doing. And she can't help but do it because she reads something and she doesn't know what it is, so she's got to go and find out what that is. And honestly, folks, I, I, I'm the same way. That's not necessarily a gift. That's more like a curse, it takes me so long to get through a book sometimes because if they reference something I don't know, I've got to go and track that down before I can keep going. Well, see, that's a great teacher, and that's the gift of teaching that God gives people. You're born with that. You're born with that. The question is, are you going to use it for the Lord? Remember, Paul was a vessel of dishonor before he was a vessel of honor. Remember in Acts chapter 8, he, he made havoc of the church, hauling men and women to prison, and they went everywhere preaching the gospel. They were scattered and they went everywhere preaching the gospel. God used Paul to spread the gospel before he was saved and after he was saved. And think about this. Paul was using the same gifts, the same physical attributes before he was saved and after he was saved. Now, of course, after he was saved, those gifts were indwelt by the Holy Spirit of God and they were used exceedingly abundantly above anything that he could have done without the Holy Spirit. You all agree with that, right? But sometimes we think, you might be sitting out there and you might be thinking, man, I just, I just don't have a lot of gifts. Well, then God didn't create you. God created you with specific abilities, talents, and those talents are designed to be used for the Lord. 
It's wonderful to see what God's done. All right, I, I'm going I'm to start giving examples, and that'll take too long. So now, um, so he was separated from his mother's womb to do this work, like Jeremiah, like Isaiah, John the Baptist, Samson. All of these people were called from their mother's womb. Now, let's dive down to verse 16. And I want us to see this. We said this morning that he had a new philosophy. It used to be about him. Now it's about God. He had a new purpose. He used to be to wreak havoc in the church. Now he's using it to preach the word of God. And look at number three. He had a new perspective. A new perspective. Look at verse 16. Look at the end of the verse. Immediately, so this is after he has met Jesus Christ, realizes that he's been set apart for the ministry. Immediately... I conferred not with flesh and blood. Now, how about that? That's an interesting thing. This is a change in perspective for the Apostle Paul. Because when he gives his testimony, he talks about being a a Pharisee of the Pharisees. Of the tribe of Benjamin. Educated at the feet of Gamaliel. That's what he had his pride in. And now he meets Jesus and he's not interested in the experts anymore. This is really interesting. It's really interesting. He had a new perspective. He now knew the source of all truth. You see, when you know the source of truth, then the experts become less important in your life. Now, I know sometimes when I say these things, people say, well, then what are we here for? Well, not to hear an expert. You're here to hear somebody that loves the Lord like you do, studies the word of God like you do, and has been gifted of God to study and communicate the word. That's that's what we're here for. And we're here because God told us to. Amen. But what all of us need to understand is that when you're saved, God becomes your teacher. Through the Holy Spirit and the word of God, you know, far too often. We ask questions of men when we first need to ask those questions of God. The source of all truth. Now, now, how many of you are really thankful that God has given teachers to the local church? How many of you are thankful for that? I am too. I'm really thankful that, that you all have helped me to acquire a great library. So when I have questions on things that I can't discern from the scriptures, I can go to someone who is more gifted than myself, who's learned some things that I don't know, and I can go and study those things. That's a blessing, isn't it? But that truth didn't originate with them. All truth is God's truth. So Paul understood. He had a new perspective. The source of truth. Now, let me also say this. This was a very special case. How many of you would think it was really cool if once you got saved, God took you into the wilderness for three years and taught you himself? That would be sweet. Although, having come back from the wilderness and been sick for three weeks now, I'm hoping he'd take care of that too. You know what I mean? But listen, what God did with the Apostle Paul was something very special. He took him into the wilderness and he revealed to him mysteries that he had never revealed to anyone else. If he does that to you, or if you think that's what's happening to you, you're wrong. If you find something in the Bible that God has never shown anyone else, you're wrong. Amen. Now, it's a wonderful thing for you to discern truth on your own. But remember, 
that in a multitude that there's safety in a multitude of counselors. Do you see the balance that God gives us in the scripture? Have you ever learned something from the Bible and you found this truth only to find out you were wrong? That ever happened? I think that's happened to all of us. Pastor, you're confusing me. I don't need a teacher. I do need a teacher. I don't, uh, no, the, the, the ultimate source is not that teacher. The ultimate source is the word of God. God, the Holy Spirit in you. And then God brings godly counselors who are farther down the road in a particular area into your life. And iron sharpens iron. That's what the Bible teaches us. All right. But this, the Apostle Paul was a very special case. Look at what it says in uh, verse 17. If we go into verse 12 again, for I neither received it of man, neither was I taught it, but by the revelation of Jesus Christ. So the Apostle Paul learned about the gospel, the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ from Jesus Christ himself after Jesus Christ's death, burial, and resurrection. That's pretty wild. And ascension. Verse 17, neither went I up to Jerusalem to them which were apostles before me. Now, I've got to tell you, I enjoy, the Lord has blessed me by bringing some really talented people into my life. You know, I, I, I have phone numbers of some great teachers uh, in, in America to where if I have something I don't know what to do, I can call them. Uh, R.B. Willett up in Michigan is a tremendous pastor. When I have a pastor in question that I'm not sure what to do, I call Brother Willett. The first time I ever called him, you all remember Brother Willett? When, when he came and preached our revival years ago, Jacob was about three. And they were down in the, the glassed-in area that looked like a waterfall a little while ago. We were down there, and Brother Willette looked at Jacob, and he's got this big voice. He said, Jacob, do you know who I am? Jacob went. <laughs> who am I? President Bush. <laughs> 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 Brother Let did this. He goes, Jacob, I'm going to have to give you a dollar. <laughs> it was really funny. But Brother Willett, I've never met a, a pastor with his ability to have a ready biblical answer to a ministry question. So when, I, when I'm struggling with something to do in the ministry, I'll call Brother Willett. First time I called him, I said, hello, Brother Willett. I'm Jim Alter. I'm pastor at, at Grace Baptist in Sydney, Ohio. Well, congratulations. He's such a smart aleck. I didn't know what a smart aleck he was. But when I call him, he's ready with a biblical answer to help me. I'm thankful that God has brought people like that into my life. A Bible question. I come across something in the scriptures I can't quite figure out. I'll call Jeff Faggart. And Jeff always has a, a, a ready answer. He just knows God's word. It's, and Dalton doesn't help me with anything. Just nothing. Bluegrass. That's the only thing that Dalton Robertson helps me with. But it, it's just wonderful to have godly people like that in your life. So naturally, if I was in Paul's state, who better to go to than the apostles themselves? How many of you would like to sit down with the apostles and ask him questions? What did Paul do? I didn't go talk to him. I went and was taught by Jesus Christ. How many of you think that Paul had a new perspective? Unbelievable. Unbelievable. But then look at what it says. In verse 17, neither went I up to Jerusalem to them. Oh, this is what we were talking about. I wanted to finish this point before we go on. And that is that Paul was a special case. The, the, God was preparing the Apostle Paul to write most of the New Testament. Paul was a very special case. That being said, we can learn something from that. We don't need to first run to the teachers. We need to run to the source of truth. 
Isn't that right? Praise God for the teachers and the instructors. But that's not where we're supposed to go first. We're supposed to go to the source of truth through the word of God and prayer. That's where we begin. And that's the kind of perspective, the change in perspective that we need to have. And I'll tell you, one of the things that, you know, because of my um, lack of focus in education as a young man, I, I read so many diverse areas, um, and I would really revere some of these men that I was reading. But now, you know, 30 years down the road, I'm starting to see that a lot of these guys didn't have the right perspective on Scripture. Some of my heroes when I was in college ministry doing apologetics, one of the things that I was talking with Denver and Andrea about it this afternoon when you look at some of these people that are in apologetics, now apologetics is people that defend the faith and the, a lot of Christian philosophers, Ravi Zacharias, that type of person. I'm thankful for the work they do, but when you listen to them, they use almost no scripture. It's argumentation. It's philosophical ideas. You know, the ontological argument and all of these different areas where they try and approach people on an intellectual level. What is our only power when we witness? The word of God. And so what has happened to me is some of the people that I really revered, man, they've, they've really disappointed me. Uh, remember, we showed the video of Ravi Zacharias saying that, uh, that he doesn't, he, he thinks that, that verbal perfection, it, it, that, that we should not call or, or expect verbal perfection in the word of God. Really? Bible says it's perfect. Maybe Ravi ought to read the Bible more instead of some of these philosophers. You know, and I appreciate everything he's done. He helped me immensely, but he uses very little scripture. Norman Geisler. Um, how many of you have heard of Norman Geisler? And I use his materials. God has used him in a great way, but they have a different perspective on the word of God than we do. Geisler is the one who, in his uh, uh, journal of Christian apologetics, he did a, an article on Catholicism, and he, sa- he was answering the question, is Catholicism a non-Christian cult? That was the question. And, of course, um, especially since the Reformation, that's been the position of all of Protestantism and conservative evangelicalism. That has always been the position. Um, but they were, so what he did was he and his team, they examined the doctrines of the Roman Catholic Church and the doctrines of evangelical Christianity. And he said that we are in 85% agreement, so we cannot say that Catholicism is a non-Christian cult. The next paragraph, the next paragraph, I'm not making this up. He made that statement. The very next sentence begins a new paragraph. He says this. Now, the primary area of difference is the gospel. It sounds like a joke, doesn't it? You see, that's where our Baptist understanding of the Word of God is different than a Protestant understanding of the Word of God. Because according to the Bible, if you're going to be a Christian, well, then it begins with the gospel. Does that make sense? Does that make sense? Being a Christian begins with the gospel. You become a Christian when you accept the gospel. If you're a Protestant, you become a Christian when you're baptized as a baby. 
Now, they, not all Protestants believe you're saved there, but that's when you become a child of the church through your baptism as a baby. So what's happened with, with me as I've learned more and more about the Bible and what it teaches, some of these great teachers, and I handed a book of Norman Geisler's to someone this week to use because he's, been, he's excellent in certain areas. But what happens is my estimation of these great teachers really has come down to where you have the teachers and you have the Word of God. Amen? Where these guys support the Word of God, praise God. Where they are against the Word of God, I'm going to tell you, because we're going to learn that's the proper way to teach in the book of Galatians. Galatians actually deals with that particular subject. So this is something we can learn something very important from the Apostle Paul's new perspective. He took the teachers, even God-blessed and God-sent teachers, and he moved them down here, put the Lord Jesus Christ and his inspiration up here. How many of you think we could learn something from that? Amen? Now you're looking at me. You had better have the Word of God here and Jim Alter down here. Amen? We, we have to have that. All right, so now, he had a new perspective. He now knew the source of truth. This was a special case, but we do learn an important truth from that. Exalt the Word of God. So now, next, he had a new place. He not only did have a new perspective, he had a new place to belong. Remember, he used to be in the traditions of his fathers. Now look at what it says. If you look in verse 17, Neither went I up to Jerusalem to them which were apostles before me, but I went into Arabia and returned again unto Damascus. Then after three years, I went up to Jerusalem. And if you'll notice that, you might have marked that up to Jerusalem. It's always up to Jerusalem in your Bible. It doesn't matter where you're coming from. It's up to Jerusalem. And that's, that, that gives you the direction of Scripture, up to Jerusalem. Now, I learned what that means when I went to Jerusalem. It's up on a mountain. So you can't get to Jerusalem from anywhere around there without going up. But uh, really an interesting phrase. So then after three years, I went up to Jerusalem to see Peter and abode with him 15 days. So now Peter is his teacher. Peter is instructing him. Isn't that interesting? But I'll bet you Paul was instructing Peter. Hey, listen to what Jesus told me. Tell me what Jesus told you. Hey, listen to what he told me. See, you and I can't do that. We can say, God said this in His Word. But when Jesus starts speaking to you in an audible voice, you might want to check that out. Amen? All right. Y'all look like you're going to sleep on me. Is everybody okay? I'm excited about this. I think this is cool. All right. All right. Okay, here we go. Let's go on. Then after three years, I went, to see, I went to, up to Jerusalem to see Peter and abode with him 15 days. But other of the apostles saw... I none, save James, the Lord's brother. So in his formative time, he never spoke to any of the apostles except Peter and James. Wow. Now, <clears throat> what about his new place? Verse 20. Now the things which I write unto you, behold, before God I lie not. Afterwards I came into the regions of Syria and Cilicia, and was unknown by faith unto the churches of Judea which were in Christ. Now, here's what happened. They didn't know who he was, but he was home. They didn't know who he was, but he was home. And look at what they say about him. But they had heard only that he which persecuted us in times past, in, in times past, now preacheth the faith 
which once he destroyed, and they glorified God in me. We're not going to take the time to go there, but remember what happened. When the Apostle Paul was starting to go to the churches, they were afraid of him. Now, wouldn't you be afraid of him? Remember, this is the guy that we, we think of somebody with a bad reputation, you know, the town drunk or something. We think of something like that. No, no, this was the, this was the church killer. So when he came in, they were afraid of him, but Barnabas, the son of consolation, introduced him to the churches and said, he's okay, he's saved, God's changed him, and he has a new place to belong with God's people. But imagine if they had rejected him. See, one of the things that we as Christians have to be really careful of is we got to be careful of the way that we judge people who walk in the door. You know, it does not matter. If somebody comes in and God saves them, man, they could be covered with tattoos from head to foot. We're supposed to receive them as a brother. Amen? We're not supposed to look at a person of high estate and hold them in greater esteem than we are that person who has lived a life that we would not uh, agree with. We can't look at them any differently after they're saved. They're going to be a brother in Christ or a sister in Christ just as if the President of the United States got saved. And that one might be a bigger miracle. <laughs> See, look, this is something that we have to be very, very careful of because we are believers who believe in a, in a particular standard in our culture, right? We, 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 we bemoan the, degra- the degradation of our culture. Uh, we teach our kids to say yes, sir, and yes, ma'am to people. Amen? We, we teach our children that. You know, my son's got short hair. You know, no Bieber. What's his first name? Justin? You like Justin Bieber? <laughs> no, no Bieber cuts in the altar house, okay? No tattoos in the altar house. Lydia's not going to have a belly button piercing. Right, Lyd? Here, look, show everybody. No. That's awesome, isn't it? So, okay, that's where we are in the culture. We, you know, we're going to dress different than the culture. We're going to listen to music that's different than the culture. We're going we're gonna to behave different than the culture. How many of you believe that believers ought to be that way? So because of that standard... What we can do is you got somebody with green hair comes into the church service and people go, well, I'm sorry. God didn't die for the people that have it all together. He died for everybody. He died for everybody. And we, so while I am going to say, look, we've got to stand against the culture. We've got to be salt and light out in this culture. We're also going to say, come on in. This is where you belong. Uh, I'll never forget it when Andy Joins said that to me. They just moved here. And he said, now I grew up Southern Baptist. My wife's Catholic. Now, that, that's, does that bother you? I said, no, this is right where she belongs. Amen? This is where, this, we've got to make sure. Aren't you glad that they received Paul that way? Where would we be if they didn't? Now, God had ordained His Word, had written His Word before Paul was born, right? So we would have gotten the Word of God, but not not the way that we got it. 
I, I, I guarantee you that every person that gets saved through the book of Romans, listen, think about this. Every person who is saved through reading or hearing Scripture from the book of Romans, which is all of us, every person, that is reward to the account of those churches that received Paul as a brother. You see how important that is? And one of the things that I'm so happy about at Grace Baptist Church, listen, you know what I've been hearing a lot lately? What a friendly church. What, how many of you are shocked right now? If you're shocked, would you raise your hand? <laughs> now, some people, that's not their experience here. They sit in the wrong pew or they meet the wrong people or whatever. But, but you guys are doing a tremendous job of welcoming and greeting people. But we need to do better. There are people in our church that have never been invited to someone's house. Not once. They've never been invited out to eat as a couple. Not once. And these people don't have tattoos and piercings, you know. They don't have a wingnut in their cheek. Now look, how can we be expected, how can we believe that we're going to reach out to people who, are of a, who come from a different culture, cultural norm than us? How can we believe that we're going to do that if we won't reach out to people that are just like us? That's a sobering thought, isn't it? Let's make sure that when people come in, they are greeted immediately as brothers and sisters in Jesus Christ. Whether you know they're saved or not. Because that lost person, that might be the thing that God uses to bring them to Christ, is the love of a believer, the love of a Christian. There's something very important that happened. Paul had a new place. They forgot what he had done. And that leads us to our last point tonight. He had a new perspective. He had a new place. And this is, a, this is a cool thought. He had a new past. He had a new past. Look with me. Galatians 1. It says this. Verse 22. And was unknown by face unto the churches of Judea which were in Christ. But they had heard only that he which persecuted us in times past now preacheth the faith which once he destroyed. And they glorified God in me. Here's his new past. Are you ready? I have to remind you that he was a killer of Christians. When I think of the Apostle Paul, I think of the man that God used to pen the New Testament. I think of Romans and Philippians and Galatians. I think of the, the amazing doctrine that he gave us. I think of the amazing experiences that he had in the books of First and Second Corinthians and in the book of Acts. That, how many of you, when you think of Paul, that's what you think about? Why? Because he had a new past. A new past. Folks, you don't... Because, again, I have the privilege as a pastor of knowing the past of people that come in to our church. And to see what the amazing thing, the amazing things that God has done. I mean, you wouldn't even sit on the pew of some of the people next to you if you knew who they were. Here, let me tell you, give me some examples. No, I'm kidding. It's just amazing to see what God has done. How many of you, honestly, how many of you would say, God did a great work in my life? Would you raise your hand? Amen. You have a new past. You have a new past. Some people are thinking, he looked at me when I said that. Wait a minute. All of us, man. I, I'm so thankful. I... I 
I grew up in a Christian home. I don't have a bad past. I've never had a drink, never took drugs once. I tried to smoke a cigarette when I was a junior in high school and almost choked to death. I found a pack of cigarettes somewhere and lit up, tried it. Guys, don't do it. It's really dumb. It's, you know, if you want to do it, go when your dad starts the car, go and just take a deep breath by the tailpipe. It's about the same thing. But watch your lips on that as it burns. My past is not wicked. You know what I can tell you? God did a great change in my life. Salvation, regardless of the life that God gave you, salvation is a great change. Amen? Who knows where my life could have gone if I hadn't been saved? How many of you know people who grew up in a Christian home and they live a horrible life? All of us could say that. All of us could say that. God gave Paul a new past. That's what happens when we meet him. Don't let your past hold you back. Create a new past. You can't change what you've already done. But from today until they lay you in the ground, you can be creating a legacy. You know, the story of that that I think of is Alfred Nobel. We, we know of him because of the Nobel Peace Prize. Well, what happened was he's the man who invented dynamite. And he had a brother or a relative die. And the newspaper got it wrong and wrote his obituary. He got to read his own obituary. And it said the man who is responsible for more deaths in the 20th century than any other living person, than any other person, died. And he said, I want to have a different legacy than that. And he established a Nobel Peace Prize. Now, of course, we wouldn't necessarily go along with what they're doing. But he set out, he set out to have a different legacy. You know that we can do the same thing? But that can't happen. That can't happen with an individual unless we, as believers, give that person a place. God will give them a new perspective. We give them a new place. And then God in them creates the new past. The Apostle Paul is a great example of that. And you know, we're, all of us, I think all of us are somewhere in this message tonight. Some of us are somewhere in this process. And we need to allow the Lord to do something special with us. Can you imagine if God used you the way that he used the Apostle Paul? You know what our problem is? We think, oh, that could never happen. Different God, right? No. What did Jesus Christ tell his disciples? Greater things than these you're going to do. God wants to do great things with you. But you've got to have that new perspective, a new place, and begin making a new past. Thank you, Lord, for your word. Thank you for these faithful people.